Tang Minfang worked at a Chinese Foxconn factory that made Kindles and Echo devices for Amazon. In 2019, he spoke up about problems he saw at his job. More than half of its workforce of more than 7,000 at the factory were student interns and temp laborers, far more than Chinese law allowed. Tong blew the whistle. He shared documents with an advocacy group called China Labor Watch, and his leak prompted outrage against Foxconn. It fired the executives in charge of the factory and issued a public apology. But there was another kind of fallout. China doesn't have strong protections for corporate whistleblowers. So even though Tong had identified serious violations that Foxconn was forced to address, Tong faced consequences for coming forward. He was sentenced to prison for divulging corporate secrets. This is the Informations 411. I'm Corey Weinberg. Reporting by the Informations, Wayne Ma showed that Amazon knew about Tong's arrest. The e-commerce giant continues to work with Foxconn. That's despite Amazon's publicly disclosed policy that the company expects suppliers to protect whistleblowers. That'll be our one segment on today's show. I'll talk to Wayne about these disconnects between U.S. tech giants and their Chinese suppliers. Wayne's the best on this topic. He has been on the show before to talk about other related reporting, including evidence that Apple suppliers used forced Uyghur labor in China. We'll talk about why American tech companies continue to not live up to their own standards with their supply chains. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me on. Wayne, your story this week centered on a whistleblower at Foxconn who had worked at the factory that makes Amazon devices. Walk us through this scenario. What did this whistleblower blow the whistle against? So basically, um, in 2019, China Labor Watch, this uh, New York-based labor activist group, published a report saying that uh, a factory that made Amazon Echoes and Kindles in China uh, was violating labor laws. They were making students uh, work illegal overtime, which they're not allowed to do. And the number of students and temp workers at the facility was beyond what is legally allowed. And to support this argument, they not only sent people undercover into the factory to work, but they also had these supporting documents that were leaked from within the facility that um, proved you know, what the workers were doing. And that wasn't the end of the story, right? No, it wasn't. So after the report came out, Amazon and Foxconn both pledged to fix the issue. But what most people didn't know was that because the documents were actually screenshots taken from a computer screen, Foxconn was able to trace back those screenshots to um, one of the offices where people had access to those documents. And they reviewed security camera footage to find the whistleblower. And so they Foxconn caught this whistleblower. Um, What happened? What happened next? So a month after the report came out, the whistleblower was arrested. And Amazon was actually aware of this, that they were aware that Foxconn had investigated the incident, had found the whistleblower, and Amazon even reviewed the evidence against the whistleblower. What evidence was there that they actually knew this? Uh, Well, part of it was the security camera footage that caught the guy on tape taking photos of the computer screen. But they also interviewed, you know, his colleagues. And uh, when they confronted him, he admitted that he had done it um, and claimed Mm -hmm. that he was only doing it because uh, 
you know, because he saw that there were problems in the factory. Right. And so you said he was arrested. What what law would the whistleblower have broken? I, I'm curious sort of what this situation, you know, says about what it, what kind of risks corporate whistleblowers face in China. So what he leaked to China Labor Watch was data on production. For instance, how many uh, Kindles and uh, Echoes were being produced at the factory, but also kind of the recruitment policies and practices and um, hiring data. Uh, you know, to Amazon, this wasn't uh, anything sensitive, you know, because what Amazon cared about more was about new products or schematics being leaked. Um, in this case, it was sort of just Foxconn's kind of operational data. And so the court right. ruled that this was considered a trade secret and non-public information. And so they used that um, uh, against uh, the whistleblower to jail him. And one of the interesting things is that um, you have to prove that the losses are more than I guess the equivalent of eighty thousand U.S. dollars, and Foxconn tried to show that their losses were more than two hundred thousand dollars because they had to raise wages after the leak to comply with uh, Chinese labor laws, and the court agreed with them. Wow! So in this case, the disclosure of illegal employment was a trade secret, essentially. Like it just seems very backwards. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. Technically, the information uh, isn't publicly available, and um, and, beca- and because the whistleblower had signed an NDA about this, uh, the court you know sided with Foxconn. Interesting. Um, so, what might be the differences that a corporate whistleblower faces in the U.S. versus in China? Well, in China, there aren't actually any real laws if, uh, that protect corporate whistleblowers. All of the laws are kind of focused on uh, government whistleblowing. And so there are, you know, anonymous channels and hotlines set up for ordinary citizens to report on the wrongdoing of government officials, you know, corruption and bribery. But uh, when it comes to corporate cases, it's really up to the companies to kind of decide what their policies are. And so Amazon has this policy that says that its suppliers can't uh, retaliate against whistleblowers. But of course, Foxconn likely doesn't have a policy like that. It's one of the reasons I think why... Amazon really didn't intervene in the case because they probably felt that it wasn't, it didn't have really much to do with them. Right. And yet the outcome here was so extreme. The whistleblower was arrested and prosecuted and jailed. And yet Amazon, which purports to have this uh, company policy, essentially saying its suppliers have to protect whistleblowers, continues to do business not only with Foxconn, but with this factory. Were you able to square sort of the the disconnect there? Yeah. So, you know, an interesting thing about China is that companies and local governments are pretty closely intertwined. Um, local governments have to have you know economic growth targets, you know, GDP numbers they have to meet, employment targets they have to meet, um, tax revenue that they need to collect, and so you know they you know really come on come down on the side of you know local businesses that you know are operate operate in their jurisdictions and so i think by prosecuting this guy you know foxconn was sending a message not only to its employees but also the government the local government was sending a message you know saying that you know we won't tolerate this because it you know it threatens you know our economic livelihood right and um in in terms of amazon's stance that factory i found out um, is when, is probably the largest Echo and Kindle factory in China. In fact, Foxconn 
makes most of the Echo and Kindles you know, for Amazon in China. And so Amazon couldn't readily get rid of that factory or cut off its business ties with Foxconn um, and expect to maintain you know, the same supply of Kindles and Echoes that it, it normally has every year. Right. And um, this is sort of um, what we're seeing in the supply chain in general is that um, it's very hard for Western brands to get rid of their suppliers, even for these sort of violations. You've been writing a lot about kind of this very tension, the gaps between the policies of Western corporations like Amazon, like Apple, and the realities on the ground in China. Why is this a topic you keep coming back to? I think it's because many companies, you know, write these kind of glowing supplier responsibility reports every year about how they're, you know, how they care about, you know, people, how they protect workers. Uh, you know, they have big CSR teams and part of it is because they want to put a good face on it and, you know, make sure that consumers, you know, feel comfortable buying their products. Uh, but the reality is, is very much different that, uh, when push comes to shove, these companies all will choose, you know, their business operations before human rights, uh, or at least when it's inconvenient for them, they'll do the the easy thing, which is continue to work with the supplier. Hmm. And so I, I just find this very hypocritical. And I feel that people should know about it and we should hold these companies accountable to what they actually say in their, you know, supplier responsibility pledges. Right. What do you think, you know, are there examples that you have come across or that have been important to consider where there has been real change brought by American companies to its supply chain? Like, has there been any accountability um, with these types of situations? It really depends on the industry. So in the textile industry, you know, companies that make T-shirts or shoes, they can get rid of suppliers and easily change to other suppliers because those kind of products are commoditized. And so it's easy to find. You have lots of options. When it comes to smartphones or smart speakers or e-readers, in this case, uh, it's much harder because all those uh, components are custom made and all those products are custom assembled. And so uh, it's very hard, I, I feel, to find kind of change in the consumer electronic supply chain. The, the only solution really is to vertically integrate yourself so that you own uh, the factories and you control the hiring processes. Not many companies are willing to do this because of cost. Uh, Samsung is an example of a company that now assembles most of its products, so it doesn't have a lot of these issues, um, but, but there are still some. And so I think it's a really tough question. Is uh, Are businesses willing to sacrifice or just you know, see a disruption to their operations in order to adhere to their supply responsibility pledges? And what happened to the whistleblower when, when, you know, when is he due to get out of prison? So he was arrested a month after the China Labor Watch report came out, uh, which would have been September 2019. And he was sentenced to two years in prison, plus time served when he was first detained. So he actually should be getting out in September of this year. Well, Wayne, great reporting. Uh, As always, I appreciate your diligence on this topic, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Keenan Cush for producing today's episode. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mm-hmm.